Well, welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, get a friend to choose a Doctor Who story, then to choose their favourite things about it, and whilst watching, I have to guess what those favourite things are. Hello, my name is Ian Winterton. I'm a playwright and writer and journalist, and in the world of Doctor Who, I'm currently writing comic books for Cutaway Comics, uh, Demons of Eden, which is out now as a backup strip with the Omega comic by Mark Griffiths, and I've also got a graphic novel coming called Affirmative, which might feature a bit of canine, and I've also got other things from Cutaway that I can't talk about, but they're very exciting. So, onto the podcast, and I am picking The Power of Kroll from 1978 and I was six when this came out so it's absolutely seared into my brain I always say I'm a I'm a Hinchcliffe man but actually when I look back I'm very much a Graham Williams era man as well because this is when I really remember watching them um although I'd say a lot of the better stuff is because of uh, the influence of Hinchcliffe but that's for another time but um Power of Kroll um not as well-loved as other Robert Holmes adventures. Well, hello. I hope you're very well today. The date is immaterial. Uh, this is a podcast in time and space, and I don't want to limit us by uh, uh, you know, cons- confining us to one small period of the 21st century uh, Earth. Um, but it could, it, I, I'm, I do not swear, I try not to swear in these podcasts because I'm talking about Doctor Who and it would seem wrong. It would be like getting drunk with Tinky Winky or um, get smacked up with Captain Pugwash or, uh, <laughs> or, or any other inappropriate things with children's entertainers. It'd be like, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Taking drugs with Zamo Maguire. Oh, hang on. Um, but listen... Uh, the washing, I've just changed the fuse in the plug because I thought the washing machine uh, seemed to blow a fuse. It hasn't blown a fuse. Uh, it's blown itself. It's died. So washing machines died. Tax bill in today. Uh, TV programme started last night. that's had excellent reviews that uh, I was up for a party. In fact, I had a part that the writer told me had written with my voice in mind. And then when I auditioned for it, I didn't get it. So that's just been on. Uh, and today I got an email telling me that job... I thought, uh, I kind of hoped I was going to be doing, um, and it's been kind of hinted that I was. Uh, I got a lovely email telling me all the reasons they liked the last uh, bit of work I did for them, and then just a tiny little part of the email saying that they weren't actually going to be asking me to to do anything on the the latest uh, batch that they're doing. So today, without swearing, is a bellend, uh, and I've taken the dog for a walk to try and get some fresh air, clear my head that is good medicine uh i've also been a bit self-indulgent well this isn't um by eating a cookie uh a warm cookie with ice cream and squirty cream which are not normally you know things that aren't really good for me um but do you know what neither of those things really hits do you know what make is gonna make me feel better today not an awful lot it's a, a really rotten day do you know what's gonna make me feel better today uh, everybody 
watching a story that wasn't even on my timetable. I sort of do a, uh, uh, I, I do a sort of vague plan just so that I make the doc mix the doctors up fairly and perhaps mix styles and all that sort of thing. Um, although even then I reduced two Michael Ferguson directed stories in a row because I'm an idiot. But um, this wasn't even on the list. Uh, and dear old Ian, I think, recorded this ages ago. So I wonder if his projects that he can't talk about have <laughs> been out and gone. I don't know. Uh, if, if Ian, when you hear the tweet and we'll retweet on the back of it. Uh, I, I, what's going to make me feel m much better than fresh air of the park and gallivanting out with my dog and uh, the lovely sugar rush of unctuous warm cookies and beautifully melting silky ice cream is the power of Kroll. I don't care. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to watch. So, um, and just to prove how well today is going, I'm looking at the monitoring levels on my, uh, on my audio recording and they're fantastic. Had I actually pressed record, so there's going to be a slight change because fortunately I have a video backup. So that audio is from that and I'm now going to change and press record on the audio which will uh, mean there's now an increase in quality. So, oh, all right, I'm going to watch The Power of Kroll. What could possibly go wrong? Um, uh, let's, <laughs> I'm gonna, I've got it lined up on BritBox. I'm going to press play in well, three, two, oh, don't fade, don't fade, three, two, one. Even BritBox was getting bored of me. It started to fade to black. Right, it's The Power of Kroll. Uh, I think this is probably the last last key to time story I saw, you know, because uh always had a bit of a bad reputation. Um it was the last one Robert Holmes did for years. Nobody really had much that was nice to say about the power of Kroll. Um and as we'll discover, not many people lived to tell the tale either, or or made themselves known. Um and I've always had a bit of a soft spot for it. It Except, uh, then when I did it for Running Through Corridors, which is the last time I saw it, I actually found a lot of the seeds of these men sitting back being cross with each other um, rather tedious, which surprised me because I quite like men sitting in a room yelling at each other. That's my idea of drama. I like this I, I, I like this, uh, this setup here because I believe these people know each other. And I just just little things like Hard's throw, Hog's throwaway line to Thorne, who's brought him his whatever it is, his space books uh saying how much do i owe you you know i like you know the idea that yeah you, you you bring somebody that in in real in real life in real worlds if somebody brings you something it's going to have cost them uh and this is a nice bit of plotting we've got the mystery early on of uh of uh who's followed thorn down in his ship um but yeah as i say last time i, I the first time i watched this I, I i liked all of this stuff um but when I when I did it through running through corridors, I uh, uh, I, uh, uh, I, I yeah I got a bit uh, I, I I found this the, the the later scenes with these guys a bit tedious, which surprises me because as I say, um, uh, character actors yelling at each other in a room is 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 my kind of thing, you know. Um, oh, business is a you know you're you're a bastard but i'm gonna sell the business that's you know that's my kind of thing i mean i even succession now is you're you're a bastard i'm related to you i'm gonna sell the business that that to me is drama <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not very ambitious <laughs> uh but but the, but this sets up obviously now obviously there's a there's a there's a parallel here 
with um, you know politics and uh, well and also um, you know literature um, you know Last of the Mohicans causes a casts a big shadow over this and not least because it's got two of the cast Philip Maddock here uh, looking furious uh, and uh, uh, John Abenary essentially playing the same part that he played in Last of the Mohicans for which he got an Emmy nomination but I'm sure we'll talk about that I'm sure I'll talk about John Abenary a lot because he's he's an actor I talk about a lot um, I love Philip Maddock's look here Philip Maddock does so much with this part it's Philip Maddock's performance is an object lesson or an object example of getting a fantastic actor and illustrating exactly what value they bring to something that is on the page and and I'm, I'm a uh, uh, yeah uh, uh, and 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 I like the I like the sort of slightly embellished story that oh he he thought he was playing uh, Thorn uh, and then when he turned up uh, he wasn't playing Thorn I don't think it's quite as clear cut as that um, I think he was offered Thorn and then that offer was taken away because Neil McCarthy accepted I I think in and I like Neil McCarthy and I think he's brilliant as Barnum in The Mind of Evil but I think if you get Maddock you you take Maddock and then. Alan Browning was supposed to be playing Fenner. You've got to admire um, Norman Stewart's um, casting. I have to say, Norman Stewart had been a production assistant and actually, after being a director, went back to being a production assistant. That's a really interesting uh, yo-yo uh, that uh, I'm not sure has been repeated with, uh, with, with Doctor Who director um and he was a hugely respected production assistant so the natural progression is to then be promoted to be a director and he did underworld and the power of crawl it does the omega factor as well doesn't he and then he goes i think i'll be a production assistant again um we don't even know we think he's dead um phil newman did get a taped interview with him he was a canadian fellow um and he was in sort of aberdeen or somewhere but uh, the trail has gone dry uh, but I, I think his story would be an interesting one to tell. Um, but because I think he was a respected production assistant, his casts, I remember getting the Doctor Who magazine and reading the uh, cast lists of the Norman Stewart stories and going, you use, I mean, even in the small parts, you've got people like Frank Jarvis and Richard Shaw, actors, he seemed to like to use actors who'd been in Doctor Who before, which immediately made him appeal to me but he gets he gets really good actors interestingly though that's not off that's sometimes not enough and in fact uh his his stories i mean thinking underworld as well um where you have a cast that on paper is really strong looking and then you come away from it and go oh what 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 happened what went wrong with everybody so sometimes there's a weird sort of alchemy that either happens or doesn't um and it's not necessarily because people are happy or unhappy, because if we're led to believe it, Philip Maddock was unhappy on, on this, and I think he's the best thing in it. Um, but I, I equally don't buy that, oh, he's you know he's playing the part pissed off because he is pissed off. He's a better actor than that. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like saying, oh, he was, he was a bit cold, so he played the part cold because it, it was all... I mean, come on. Um, and, you, and, and nobody is in a bad mood for four weeks based on... You, do you know what I mean? I, I, think that's a, I think that's a nice thing that we've... Maybe that was his impetus for, for playing the part. But actually, I think it's really interesting when we look at some of the later scenes, how him being furious 
actually gives the scenes the drama that they need. So whether he was annoyed or not because of the way that his casting had come about, um, what he's doing is a really good acting choice. Um, and also this stuff on film is obviously much earlier than the stuff that we get to later on where he's where he's particularly furious, but actually giving life to the thing. But I love this marshy setting. This is a really unusual setting for Doctor Who. Um, the swamp is being green is really, really interesting. Um, and then you've got Glenn Owen here, who, who later became uh, famous to sort of viewers of my generation. He'd been around, of course, he'd been in The Brothers and lots of other stuff. But uh, he was Jack Ralph in uh, Howard's Way, who was the sort of character that would take a slug of whiskey and then say something cross. Uh, and I, I like the sorts of I mean, sort of, he would have been very happy in the in the control room of Delta Magna. You know, oh, you're a bastard and there's a squid and I'm going to buy the squid. Um, that's it's that kind of... Um, you sot the wrong man's hat is nice but look, look at that that sort of reedy pampas grassy sort of stuff that is very unusual and of course it's convincing because it's real backdrop for a doctor who story i think setting a doctor who story in a marsh is a is a lovely idea um got a brilliant cast on paper robert holmes is a fantastic writer and i think he's he's laying out the story beats and the characters very very well so we know that the swamp is a are there and that they're a potential threat and that these guys don't like them but it's not political to uh to, to to just wipe them out they have to they have to sort of pay lip service to living in harmony even though they've displaced these people and they don't like them the doctor brilliantly comes and i love the way that the doctor behaves with these sort of scumbags actually um, and then we've got a whole different thing going on in Swampyland where the actors are rising above the cliched natures of their characters. Now, Robert Holmes was a very clever writer, so is the cliché part of the joke? Is this whole thing a bit of a joke? Uh, uh, and if it is, I think it kind of works. He's had to, you know, he's had to watch the sort of pat rather patronising... And he's not afraid to use that stuff either, but the pat patronising way that... Um, uh, you know, indigenous peoples are treated in dramas of this kind, um, and 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 yet I think he actually does some quite interesting stuff with it, and I think the actors are are sort of in on the joke, uh, which I think makes all the swampy stuff perhaps slightly better than than we often uh, that that we might necessarily allow it to be if we just take what's going on on the surface, which is, you know, um, a, a, an actor painted green frustrating himself at, 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 a, at a badly composited model shot. Um, I think there's a lot more going on, and we will see We will see why. Um, uh, uh, the Irish accent's an interesting choice. It's a sort of shorthand for roguish gun runner. It's a bit Caves of Androzani, though, isn't it? It's that he's running guns... Uh, to the swamp is but actually he it's his ship that's come in behind thorn so although thorn is acting slightly suspicious and allows fenner to shoot somebody that isn't rome dutt it's it's thorn that sort of got rome dutt to supply the swampies with turns out knackered weapons in order to give him an excuse to exterminate them which is excellent sort of plotting really it's a good it it, it all makes sense within the setup uh, uh, that has been very economically wrought because we've got, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
a refining plant with four people in it and a and a and a tribe of swampies with three of whom talk and then this sort of shady gud runner guy liaising between the two um uh, uh t- t- tom baker sort of falling i know he's just been pushed but that's a great edge you 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 could tell he probably said to neil mccarthy wouldn't it be witty if you pushed me and i sort of fell in but it's a great way because you open the scene with the doctor sort of bowling in like a sort of ball of crazy energy and he and he's i think he's wonderfully obtuse in all of this stuff um uh he's got uh, you know he's he's so patronizing about the 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 methane catalyzer it's like you know these these big beefy bully guys uh, and he's just like <laughs> uh you know i've 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 seen loads of these things um but but behind that sort of cheeky slightly uh schoolboy anarchy obtuseness that he has and that smile he's 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 got he's got a i'll use rob shearman's phrase again the sort of the quiet danger but I, I love the way he doesn't even look at the thing he's like that's a thing that's a thing the do, you know the doctor's fierce intelligence and fierce in you know both senses of the word um uh and the sort of very dismissive way that he he you know runs rings around their primitive uh technology uh and Maddock is is equal to it, which I really like. I mean, his line was something like, "Yes, that's brilliant." Now, the way that Harg does it is to go, "Oh, that's brilliant," but then Maddock follows it up, and and on the page is, "Yes, that's brilliant." It's just a backup. He turns it into a sort of quiet threat, a kind of, "What the hell are you up to?" Uh, that sort of purred menace for what is essentially sort of not even exposition, just sort of you know re-emphasizing the doctor's brilliance but he's made fenner take it as a sign of danger and it's just adding layers to the the performance there adding layers to the drama and to the interaction and to what the, the doctor means to these characters beyond what they're all saying to each other i think maddock is so good in this uh and i remember when i read the book going he plays that part because that's just sort of like second in command you know he does it again on the page you're not even that 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 cross um i think john abaneri is also superb i mean managing to retain his dignity whilst painted green with uh, a, a a a sort of fraying balaclava for hair is uh i think takes great and and the absolute and he's actually it's actually a very funny performance but the reason it works is because it's a funny performance played absolutely straight i think john abinary is totally in on the joke and this is a this is brilliant stuff because um you know everyone treats the swampers as though they're idiots but rankwin they're going what you need our signature because the sons of earth don't trust you i've got your number pal but i but but i am being absolutely polite with you you know we're we're not we're not sort of staccato monosyllabic ugh savages um that these characters can often be you know rankin is a wily operator and that and that is a sort of 
that is a real dig at Rome Dutt, but he, he, he still, because he's a politician, essentially, he may be green and wearing a loincloth, but he, as we will discover with Rankin, he's a politician. What the hell is Tom Baker doing there? He's just been given a drink and he's put it in his pocket. That, to me, is a sign that Tom Baker is going, I don't think this director's massively in control of this set. And I suspect the producer has just read the scripts for the Armageddon Factor and is crying. So I'm going to put this drink in my pocket and see if anybody stops me. And of course, nobody will. Um, oh, and he's also referred to the, uh, and I, d I didn't mention the, uh, on the, on the hovercraft, there's another guy who we never see indoors because, of course, he's only on film. But they have referred to I'm pleased that they refer to him there because he says there's six of us. and the doc uh, There's five of us. The doctor six. So they go, no, no, because he's not counting Mensch because they're essentially racist. But by five, he means these four here and the guy who drives the hovercraft who never comes indoors. We, we never find out what happens to him. Uh, he doesn't even get a name. So Trevor, Trevor, the Ho Trevor hovercraft uh, is obviously just just stays and tends to his hovercraft and oh, I want to be alone with my hovercraft. I'm not I'm not coming in and looking watching the bagel on the telly. <laughs> but we never know what happens to Trevor Hovercraft. Um, I is bagel a word or is that just a Robert Holmes thing saying, well I need to call it something. Bay is not exciting enough. Um, uh, you know uh, um you know, area of the swamp is too much of a matter. Bagul, bagul. You kind of know what they're talking about. Uh, and this is great. I, I, and, and in fact, from what we know of later on is that Fenner is the sort of survivor. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's not very nice here. He actually becomes the sort of the voice of reason by the end of it. And, but I love the way that the doctor uh, absolutely does not stand for their horribleness but he doesn't now is not the time for righteous indignation now the time is to undercut that with a sort of sense of humor and a sort of uh, you know childlike uh, quizzicalness that 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 masks you know intense disapproval it's it's again it's the doctor saying one thing meaning another it's it's uh, it's so it means it's really interesting to watch the delivery is 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 fun and exciting but also it it it, it speaks to how these characters are interacting and 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 you know the doctor saying one thing but really meaning another um I, you know I, th I think that all works really well i think it all works really nicely and and to top it off we have night filming um which looks fantastic you know this is but i mean this is king kong and that's interesting isn't it how this mere act of painting them green somehow makes this slightly less problematic than it could be you know if you if you're watching you know king kong or something like that we know and 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 and, and if if you were to make one of those dramas from days gone by in relatively recent history and you you know hired a load of um uh you know actors of actors of color um well it's it's difficult because you could then be said well we're giving you know three nice speaking roles to black actors who aren't seen enough so th so it's it's very complicated actually because that would have been a, a good you know there'd be certain black actors who don't get a look in with doc two going right we, you know we've got some decent speaking parts and then down the line they'd probably have to go but isn't it typical that it had to be those sorts of parts but instead it's gone well actually that's a bit too stereotypical to, you know, to create 
you know, the, uh, the the characters that everyone calls savages. Now we know they're called savages by bad characters. But to make those actors of colour, that would be a bit dodgy to have them dancing and doing the sort of grass-skirted ritual to the squid thing. That, you know, I think that would make this much less of a comfortable watch now. Of course it would. Uh, so they somehow get away with still making that sort of depiction, but painting them green. It's, it's somehow... Um, it somehow makes it slightly more palatable, even though all of the same sort of things are going on. But as I say, I think it's interesting. I think that the, the depiction of the swamp is, 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 is it, you know, there's some horrible language used, but that is used by not very nice people who are, you know, the story is completely making the point that moving these people off Delta Magna to the moon of Delta Magna was pretty horrible. And, and now that they're inconvenient here to do a, a, a sort of act of subterfuge in order to make them seem like they're the attackers which gives us an excuse to wipe them out that's all you know that's all it's it's clearly it's clear who the bad guys are and it and it ain't the swampies you know what i mean now rankin is an idiot but he's not an idiot because he's a primitive savage to use the vernacular he's 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 and and he's actually quite a wily idiot he's he's almost you know we've we've seen that being being a bit of a an unpleasant halfwit is no bar to political power um and actually being a being a, a wily political operator you can be one of those things whilst not being terribly bright uh and rank and and but but also ranquin as a religious manipulator is another really uh, uh interesting thing he's almost like a sort of televangelist and there's got some great stuff later on uh which we'll get to in in the later episodes so i think there's some really really interesting stuff going on i mean uh, mensch uh, terry walsh has had to deliver a line recently and it's 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 never the most edifying of experiences because we but, but and, and you know eagle-eyed viewers will know that mensch being played by terry walsh means he's gonna you're half surprised he hasn't gone out onto a legend fallen off it but uh, he's he's gonna be toast next week um, but this adds another layer. I don't quite know um, why the Doctor keeps being able... It's about three times, isn't it, that he's walked out of the room where he's supposedly being held uh, and, and managed to make a getaway. And he, they stopped him once and said, come back with us, and then he just <laughs> bucket off again. Uh, but I, lo I love this night shooting. I love the canoes and the water and the reeds and all of that. As I say, I think the swampies are more interesting than they need to be. And the episode is going to end on a joke that isn't paid off till next week. So I think Power of Crawler is often sort of criticised for being dull. I think there's lots of interesting things going on. I think there's lots of things that work better than they should. A lot of things that don't work as well as they should. Um, and a lot of things that either work or don't work and I'm not sure whether they work or don't work by accident or by design um, as I say I think the pitching of the the, the, the the sort of whole swampy thing is actually much better than it should be and I don't know if that's because Robert Holmes was so good and the actors um, uh, you know managed to pick up on that or whether actually Robert Holmes is writing slightly substandard and the actors make it work 
by the level that they pitched. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, and Abaneri had played Chingachuk in, in Last of the Mohicans, uh, so and later went on to play her in The Hunter. So he kind of specialises in playing sort of deep-voiced deliverers of of litanies and all of that and I was very pleased because I'm a big fan of John Abinary. he's a he's a running theme in Moth Save My Doctor Who Scarf Moa Majo so I'm delighted that well Romana gets threatened by another man in a terrible monster costume in Doctor Who which turns out to be a joke uh, that the close-up for the cliffhanger is given to John Abenary. And I, I had a sneaking suspicion he might be credited before Maddock, which is uh, which I was thrilled about because uh, it would be predictable for Philip Maddock to get high billing. But then you still sort of think, so they got Philip Maddock and he gets third billing. This is the warlord. This is Mehendri Solon. This is... Uh, 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 he was Magua in Last of the Mohicans. I mean, this is the, the you know, and, and anyway, lucky, lucky, lucky to have Philip Maddock uh, in a story that I think so far has thrown up lots of really interesting things and has yet to um, sort of become the, uh, you know, problematic whether it's dreary or or, or uh, anomalous or or whatever the problem it it has within the key to time season it certainly i think the, the the story that is of the key to time season which i th- i think of as slightly sort of fairy tale-esque with its you know androids of tara with its uh, uh you know swords and fighting and uh, uh and, and 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 stones of blood is a bit sort of you know dark and low-key and hammery and and uh, uh, uh um just, just the other stories seem a bit more sort of fair to even Pirate Planet, which is to all intents and purposes sci-fi, is is slightly um, sci-fi once removed because it's got the sort of fantastical comedic Douglas Adams things going on. This this story of them all in in uh, 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 as a fan whose earliest memories are I think repeats of uh, Invisible Enemy, but I remember I remember them repeating the Pirate Planet. I remember watching the Pirate Planet quite um, uh, vividly. Um, but I don't remember the rest of season 16. So I think it was a repeat of Pirate Planet that I remember. But so 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 I sort of discovered, you know, I watched the Key to Time stories in retrospect, my earliest memories of on broadcast first time of season 17, really. Um, this seemed to me like the story that was most like Doctor Who. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, the, 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 the Doctor of my imagination. Um so as I said, I was always quite surprised when when I read about it, and it was kind of like, oh no, it's it's not that much cop. Um, what am I going to choose as my favourite thing of episode one? Uh, I think I think I have to get in there early, and I think because it is the most, if you come to it, sort of blind, that the most striking thing is just how good Philip Maddock is in a crap part and just how he is doing a lot of the heavy lifting in those scenes as I say I like Neil McCarthy but I don't I don't think he's he's does anything particularly special in this and I and I and and I will talk about the other actors in the refinery uh in later episodes I'm sure but but he's got broad shoulders in this story Maddock and there are so many bits when you go oh that's really interesting and then you think about what it is in the script that he's been asked to do 
and sometimes it's nothing at all and sometimes it's a very short line and he gives it so much welly and uh, you know credit to Tom Baker as well I think who's who's as I say sort of slightly obtuse um, schoolboy undermining of, of everything that's going on in the in the refinery uh, shows just what value he is as a as a, as a doctor um, and yeah I like the swamp and I like the night scenes and I like all of that and we might we might come to those things later on but I think the thing that struck me strikes me the most and 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 that will continue to make its presence felt so it means he might choose it for a later episode but because I've chosen it for episode one that still counts for me uh, I'm going to choose Philip Maddock playing Fenner um, whereas my normal reaction would be to go well we take the famous actor for granted I'm not going to choose him because it's obvious he should be good and it is to me obvious that Philip Maddock will be good and he's brilliant in Brain of Morbius and brilliant in the war games but I wonder if I'll choose him in either of those things because I sort of almost expect it whereas here he's sort of above and beyond the call of duty and he certainly should the art lies not in the fact that he is here it's in the fact that he really shouldn't be here at all uh, and and yet is still firing on all cylinders Philip Maddock I love your acting um, and, and especially when you're when you're you know giving above and beyond the call of duty love it um so, starting off with episode one, I would say the hovercraft. Absolutely ah. love hovercrafts. They're very much part of my childhood in that the only time we went abroad until I was 16 was to Calais via a hovercraft. And I think it was not long after the power of crawl. So I felt like I was in the future. Um, but yeah, absolutely love, absolutely love the hovercrafts zipping around. They are. They're up there with jetpacks for things we will have in the future, but that are possible. <laughs> That's actually a good choice because you don't see many hovercrafts in Doctor. I think of uh, there's one in the Sea Devils, and there's the there's the superb one in Planet of the Spiders um, that runs over Stuart Fell. But it it, it is, and, and of course at the time that was a kind of thing. You know that must have been great for the production team to go. We've got a hovercraft. Um, Trevor insists on driving it though he's a terrible actor though so don't give him any life <laughs> uh, he won't and he won't travel to the studio um, uh, I'm surprised I'm sad that Ian didn't mention the hovercraft and its driver Trevor um, but um, you know it's, it's one of those great that you know it's one of the things that we, you would do at Doctor Who in the 70s is go we've, we've got a thing and we can use a thing and that's actually enough to to sort of separate a story from what surrounds it. Well, this we've got a hovercraft in it this week. Um, and, and that does add to the whole, I think, uniqueness of this particular setting that I think is so much part of the character of the power of Kroll that is, isn't talked about enough, actually, because I think the setting, you know, some settings that are unique can be a bit dreary, but actually I think the swamp uh, is, you know, is, is, is refreshing. And, of course, it's, it's, it's very convincing. It's a convincing uh, locale that makes sense within the plot. Uh, and throw a hovercraft on it because, of course, the 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 uh, the methane gatherers would have a hovercraft in order to do you know any maintenance and scooting about and uh, so yeah, good call the hovercraft. But uh, I've got Philip Maddock in the bank because uh, I've got a feeling he's going to get mentioned at some point. And the rules are, uh, I have to choose a thing per episode. My friend has to choose a thing per episode, and they choose a bonus thing at the end. And if they choose something. In episode one, I can't choose it in later episodes, so that is gone to me. If we both choose the same thing for episode one, yes, I get a point because I've chosen the same thing as them. However, if I choose a thing in episode one that they choose later, 
I still get a point for that. However, that then rebounds upon me because it means obviously I won't get the point for the thing that I've chosen in episode four. If I choose Philip Maddock in episode four, yeah, I get the point, but I get the point counted against episode one. But uh, whatever I choose for episode four, you know, I don't know, Philip Bird's ears, um, I won't get a point for that because obviously he's chosen Philip Maddock. So it's a it's a double-edged sword or... Um, um, not, not terribly exciting scoring system. You decide. But I'm good. The power of Kroll has done me the power of good. And I hope it has you too. I hope you've come to this going, oh, power of Kroll's a load of rubbish. And that this makes you if makes you go back to it going, actually, I'm. why don't I give the power of Kroll a chance? Um, uh because uh, because if I achieve nothing else today, uh, it's uh, uh, it's to give the power of love to the power of Kroll. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Well, thank you so very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest watching The Power of Kroll is Ian Winterton. He can be found on Twitter. He makes it easy, at... Ian Winterton, capital I, capital W, and his website is ianwinterton.co.uk, so check him out. I would also like to thank the patrons who make these podcasts possible, and they include Luke Adkins, Peter Adamson, Kevin Ashelford, Will Brooks, Rick Byatt, Robin Bland, Alex Kaffajoglu, Paul Carnahan, Andy Case, John Curley, Mark Dakin, John Ellidge, Gary Gillett, James Gould, Lisa C. Greco, David Green, Dave Hoskin, Jessica Jones, Andrew Jordan, Ashley Knight, Clive Lewis, Guy Lambert, James Lark, Gavin McLean, Nathan Martin, and David Matthewman. The music for these podcasts is specially composed by David Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. Well, if you would like to join their number, you can go to Patreon. Dot com forward slash Toby Haydock. What's there? Oh, there's gold in them there hills. If by gold I mean pictures of my dog, um, which have proved more popular than I think anything I have done. Uh, and I only put them there um, uh, for ribaldry, really. Uh, and But, you know, if you actually like this sort of content, there are advance releases. Uh, the Happy Times and Places releases are uh, getting up to about five months earlier than they come out on iTunes for for patrons uh, there are also uh, exclusive releases uh, and bonus material as well and there's uh, there's usually uh, yeah well th- three or four posts per week although one of those is of the dog so I'm not sure that counts but uh, there's usually something comes out Monday Tuesday Wednesday and Friday that's on the patreon patreon.com um if you can't or don't want to commit to the monthly schedule of patreon which by the way starts for as little as three pounds a month and gets that gets you access to most things and you get a 10 percent discount off that and indeed any tier um if you sign up for a year in advance but yeah if you can't or don't want to do that there's ko-fi.com forward slash toby adok where you can just chuck me some silver into my hat uh, whenever you're feeling flush or i do something that you particularly enjoy or i sound particularly needy hungry or sad, which is frankly how I feel most of the time, but I'm very good at disguising it with arcana and joie de Hoovre. Oh, is that a new phrase? Joie de Hoovre. That's full of the joys of Doctor Who. Um, so, yeah, look, uh, but I also know that uh, life is not exactly a bed of 
uh, roses uh, at the moment for anybody financially. So um, what costs you nothing is to go to iTunes and give these five stars. That really helps to separate uh, Toby Hiddick's time travels from the very crowded uh, dance floor where... Um, Oh, there's lots of uh, lots of Doctor Who podcasts jigging about, vying for attention, uh, and some very fine ones too. Um, uh, and uh, also a couple of lines of review to go with your five star rating. That would really help on iTunes or, in fact, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm also a stand-up comedian and can be found online on the first Sunday of every month on twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey uh, at 8pm UK time. That's me with four comedians from around the world um, doing a sort of online comedy show, which is the online manifestation of the live show that I do every Tuesday. We had to go online uh, during the lockdown and we put, we carried on. We persisted when we should have been on stage but couldn't be uh, and got an online following as a result, which is why we continue with the online thing, but only once a month because we're back weekly on stage in Manchester, 8pm UK time at uh, Excess Malarkey Comedy Club at the Breadshed, which is, again, me and four or five comedians um, from the national circuit uh, doing our bit and charging as little money as possible for so doing. Actually, the online version, uh, there's no uh, onus to pay at all if you uh, can't or don't want to. It's it's free at the point of entry on that uh, Twitch show. And also, uh, when the show is not on, there is an archive up there of past performances and uh, and lots of uh, lots of the silly things that we got up to uh, to try and make the world a better place as it was decaying uh, under the plague. So that's what I do when I'm not uh, rabbiting on about Doctor Who. So if you can't get enough of these dulcet tones, um, yeah, uh, turn up on a Tuesday if you're in the vicinity of Manchester or uh, first Sunday of every month if you're in the vicinity of the whole world. So there's no excuse. Um, I quite like Joie de Hoeuvre. Um, I wish I wish I'd s- snuck that in to the uh, main attraction. Maybe I've peaked. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's it. Now we'll call it end to the post credit stuff because uh, now I'll get loads of people coming. And go, it wasn't that good, mate. Uh, and then you get other people going. I was there for the Joie de, Joie de Hoeuvre. It's been downhill ever since. It's not my Hoeuvre. Um, anyway, um, I'm going to go and Hoover up some supper. Uh, and I will speak to you next time. <laughs>